welcome to another episode of the Saxo Market Call podcast. As always, my name is Soren Otto, and today I am joined by Ole Hansen, our commodity expert. Hello, Ole, how are you doing? I'm um, very well, Soren. It's been a while, so I'm um, happy to be back. A lot to talk about, and uh, I guess we can call it the extreme podcast today, because we are going to talk about some relatively extreme things that's been happening in the commodity space But I want to start out with uh, uh, something you write every week, which is called a commitment of traders. And to me, who's sort of a novice within commodities, that title doesn't really make sense. Could you just start by explaining what is that and why is it important? Yeah, that's uh, how long have you got? Um, it's uh, I've been watching this. Uh, well, I've been I've been involved with commodities for. For what 15 years now, uh, at least uh, before trading it actively in London in my earlier years, um, and the commitment trader report is is really our view, our way to gauge what the big boys, uh, the so-called speculators, uh, you call them hedge funds, some some are called CTAs, um, what they do in the market, what kind of positions they hold, because what we have to remember when we're looking at, when we're dealing with futures market that is basically a closed circuit it's uh you got for every long you got a short so this basically you can you, so that the, the the total sum of all the longs and the shorts is basically the, the open interest in a given futures market this open interest can be broken into uh, specific uses um the, the rules has been set out by the cftc in the us and the ice exchange europe which is uh which is gas oil and brent they're using the same uh, same structure so basically uh, once a week every tuesday uh, the uh, participants above a certain size has to report their positioning to the cftc and that basically means uh, that all boils down to a report which is then released on friday after the market close us close called commitments of traders In that one, you can see how the open interest is uh, split up between um, in commodities between producers, uh, on producers and merchants uh, as as one category. You got swap dealers, another category that's typically banks operating on behalf of clients, and then you got the speculative bit called managed money, and then you have the bucket where you put everything else in, which is called others. And um, now it's getting to the point because um, <laughs> when we look at uh, trading, we're obviously looking for trading opportunities. We're looking for direction. We're looking for momentum. We're looking for for uh, for for things that could change the uh, the the uh, the current uh, current status in the market. And for for that use, I find speculators the positioning of speculators as being the most uh, dynamic ones. Ones that the ones that has to that changes mostly with with price changes. Basically, they are hedge funds are not married to the positions. You and me, as a potential retail investor, can easily get married to a position, believing that you're right and the market is wrong, uh, holding on for too long. Sometimes, hedge funds hasn't got that uh, that luxury. They want it. They are getting out if if this, if it starts to uh, go wrong. So, they build up positions. They buy into strength. They sell into weakness. And that basically means as the market continues to go up, they'll continue to increase their exposure. As the market goes down, they'll continue to increase their short exposure. Until the music stops, and the music stops when the when the technical or the fundamental outlook or both changes, and that that at that point you basically mean you know that these guys are caught with a big position, either too long or too short, and that potentially could create quite a bit of a, a counter reaction, and that leads us to where we where we are right now. Yes, and uh, just just sort of to round out the commitment of traders. Not, I don't have the numbers, but I would assume that that it's the f- if you, not that many of our clients are trading commodities using futures. That will be in ETFs or ETCs or something like that. At least that would be the more uh, you could say layman way of trading it, a retail way of trading it. That's true, son. But uh, you have to remember that every 
every uh, all products start somewhere. At all the ETFs that you can trade, tracking a computer commodity or tracking an index of commodities, they all go back to the futures market. So these uh, providers yes. of ETFs, they end up in the futures market. So so they will also be exposed to uh, any change in the underlying. So that's why everyone who's uh, involved in the commodity market, from uh, physical traders uh, trying to make a bargain for a barrel of oil in a, in a, in a few months' time, to the uh, agricultural trader, to uh, to the ETF, they're all depending on what's happening in uh, in the futures market. And that's why this segment is so important. Yeah, and that was my point exactly. You're just better at explaining it than me, that this is actually relevant for everyone, no matter how they're engaged in commodities, um, because this is really where you see the direction. But uh, let's leave the co- uh, commitment of traders aside. Obviously, we c- you can always find it on our website on home.saxo slash inspiration and go under commodities. There, you will find it every week. But what we're going to talk about today is the actual content of the last one. Because exactly. there are, to me, at least three commodities that stick out, and that's cocoa, and that is grain, and that is natural gas. Yep. I think we'll just take them one by one because yep. they are sort of going in, in, in either direction, and that'll be an interesting talk because that has to do with the dynamics of how these commodities work. Let's start with cocoa because that has, as I've seen, increased to almost historic levels. It's it's become incredibly expensive compared to where it was not too long ago. Absolutely. We are well above the uh, the previous record that was reached back in the 70s. I'm probably only one who one of the few who can remember, remember that time um, without disclosing too much. Um, we broke above $5,000 a ton uh, this month, and we have even broken above 6000 We are seeing a little bit of stabilization right now, but this is a classic market where you find uh, the supply and demand situation out of whack. Basically, the supply is is suffering due to weather, uh, weather worries, uh, weather problems in West Africa, and it also highlights a commodity which is sp- very dependent on production from a specific region. It's not like wheat where you have uh, production in Northern Europe, in Russia, and Ukraine, in uh, North America, in uh, Australia, and so on, where, where you have plenty of different sources of production. Cocoa is is uh, f- predominantly produced in West Africa because it has to be uh, in a very narrow band around the equator and the and the growing conditions in 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 Ivory Coast and Ghana is basically perfect for for cocoa, and that basically means when you have uh, something a development that impacts supply, we've had uh, civil unrest back in time where we had sudden had spike in cocoa, but on the chart now you can hardly see them because this latest one is just parabolic. That's driven by the uh, very dry weather conditions that we've seen so far in the over the last year. Basically, as well, farmers have not got any buying or sell, selling power because most of these farms are basically the size of a couple of football pitches. So they are decided. They are, the price to sell the cocoa beans at is the price that's dictated by by the buyer. So this big rally in prices, they're not really benefiting because what we normally have is a good a high price is a cure for high price because a high price lowers demand while incentivizing increased production. In this in this case, it's not really doing much in terms of uh, increasing production because they are hitting their head against the wall with a lack of money for fertilizer and pesticides. Some of the trees are getting too old. And that basically means that the only thing that really can give on this front is uh, the demand side. And cocoa is for the sweet tooth. It's not like wheat, which we need for bread or rice or pasta and so on. It is something that uh, you probably, to a certain extent, is prepared to pay up for in order to uh, to to uh, to consume. So um, this has basically left us in a situation where there's not enough being produced. Futures has raised higher. Producers, and that's this is the, this is where we now come to the commitment trader report because 
in this instance, you say, well, this is all to blame. Uh, we, we'll have to blame the speculators for driving these prices to ex- obscene levels, which are not justified by fundamentals. Well, looking at the cut report in the last four to five weeks, money, man- money managers have actually been net selling every single week. They've been selling into this strength. And who's been buying it? The producers. Producers have been covering their their short positions because what happened to a producer is uh, not not the actual farmer, but the the next chain. Those who are buying the cocoa beans, they have they have bought cocoa beans in the in the, for delivery in the future. They have been hedging in the futures market in order to uh, mitigate their price risks. And now suddenly they're not getting the cocoa beans that they, they thought they were going to get, and they have to cover their short position in the futures market in order to to stay neutral. And that's helping to drive this uh, rally higher. An example of that, as well seen in recent history elsewhere, was the gas market. We started 2022 with um, with an economic uh, downturn. My was a little bit on the soft side, so uh, many of the uh, many of the utilities that had bought gas from Gazprom uh, on long term contracts, they they could basically see we are not going to need this gas, so we are selling it into the futures market because we are offloading our risk uh, because we are we're receiving some gas we don't need. Russia cut the supplies. And suddenly, these utilities were caught short with futures positions that they were used to hedge gas they suddenly didn't receive. And what happened? Futures prices spiked higher because they needed to cover these short positions. And we had this massive squeeze in gas prices back in 2022. Uh, 24, was it? Sorry. And, um, no, hang on. 2022. I'm getting the years <laughs> wrong here. And this is, this is similar to what we're seeing right now in the cocoa market. So you say that the best cure for a high price is a high price. <clears throat> But that, that dynamic doesn't work here because the producers have so small lots, like they're not able to increase. Because because th- th- that theory is that that if something is very expensive, then as a producer of that, you would want to expand your your production, which is something you, for instance, could if you were like a massive grain farmer. Exactly. But you can't do that here? Nope, because you're not, you're not reaping the benefit from these high prices. So the farmer is not being paid suddenly uh, two or three times more than he's used to, um, basically making it more... Uh, making it possible for him to maybe replant trees, uh, many of which are getting uh, getting very old, and that that basically means that that increases the risk of disease, and that's also uh, one of the problems that they've been dealing with. That that uh, the lack of money towards uh, fertilizers and pesticides is to keep these trees uh, in 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 good conditions. Uh, that's been that's that's challenging. So, so so that basically means that that at this point in time, it is primarily the demand that needs to uh, that needs to be reduced. And demand may actually suffer without you really seeing it. Um, you'll see it in the sense that we'll probably go through another phase of uh, shrinkflation. Basically, I'm sure you're all uh, familiar with uh, your favorite uh, product from uh, from from your younger years. So suddenly, you uh, the product you you say this have I grown or have this packet shrunk shrunk? <laughs> and um, that's basically we've seen that quite a lot uh, now with inflation having picked up in in recent years. That uh, that prices are tr- they try to maintain prices, but they lower the content, they lower the volume, and uh, that's probably what we uh, what we could be seeing in in as a as a first instance. But what it overall does is obviously lead to potentially lower lower production or lower demand, and that that's uh, eventually what uh, can can mitigate this uh, this situation. Which is not really going to improve much until next year, because the next mid-season crop, which is uh, from March and onwards, also look challenged, uh, challenged at this time. So uh, we really need to get into the next crop year for for this uh, this balances to be uh, to be more even. So basically, like the the like the short-term future for cocoa is that it'll probably stay relatively high. I'm not saying that it'll necessarily go up, but 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 still high relatively. 
It will have to stay high in order to kill but uh, kill demand simply. Um, and uh, for now, it has been driven very, very uh, high because there are short positions that needs to be closed. That will obviously come to a, come to a, an end sooner or later. That basically means we will, we may enter into a situation where where we could have some some setbacks. But uh, I think we will have to get used to uh, to a price generally quite a bit higher than where we have seen it in the past. No, it, it might be me who's just a little bit slow. It is, after all, uh, getting later in the afternoon. We just had lunch. Uh, why is it that the cocoa producers don't get re- reap the benefits of this higher price? Is that because of the incent- incentive structures in the countries they're in, or what's what's the deal behind that? Simply because they they don't have enough power. Um, they have if you are if if. All this production, which is ending, which is add, adding up to uh, millions of, uh, of, of of bags almost, uh, it, it comes from, as I said, very small lots. So, for, so it's, there's a massive amount of people that needs to be united in in order to uh, really for that to uh, for them to have any any powers towards the the uh, the end buyer, and that has simply not really been existing. Uh, it hasn't really been necessary because if you look at historically cocoa prices, they have been fairly stable. There's been some uh, been some there been been a few uh, ups and downs, but uh, but looking back the last 10 years, it's generally been trading in a fifteen hundred two thousand dollar range. Um, so so it's not something that it really has been. That has that has been, has received a lot of focus. Uh, I would say probably up until now, and and the, for that to change, it's 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 simply the whole structure of how the uh, the planting has been, or how this how it operates in West Africa is is, is difficult to see. There's going to be any change in that. And that is an interesting dynamic because that is uh, I, I I guess it's not necessarily unique to cocoa. You mentioned gas before, but it's not not the way you see all uh, commodities behave when there is a surge like this. One one that's different is grain, um, and 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 that sort of where where there's a very very peak in in prices in in cocoa. There's the opposite in grain right now, right? Absolutely, and and that's really interesting because uh, the agricultural sector has really uh, sprung a few surprises this past year. The soft commodities in general, which is also uh, which uh, apart from cocoa, also includes coffee, sugar, and cotton. They're all trading up on the last year. Well, we got the the grain sector, wheat corn and soybeans trading uh, quite a bit down. We just reached some multi-year lows uh, recently, both in uh, corn and, and soybeans. And uh, yeah, so basically here we have the opposite uh, in effect in, in place. And that's uh, basically ample supply from a strong crop production year last year. And uh, now also a decent result from uh, from South America. Uh, weighing on prices, uh, we got uh, projections for some very significant increase in in the availability of stocks at the end of this new uh, crop year, which lasts uh, run from from now until the end of uh, to mid uh, 2025, and um, and that basically means that we've been in a in a downtrend now in the grain market for uh, for more than a year, and again. Hedge funds, what do they like? They like markets going in in, a, in one direction. They like momentum. They continue. They can they can uh, they can keep their stops relatively tight, and they can continue to add exposure as we as we continue to uh, move lower. And that we, we've seen that in the cut report as well now for for weeks that the speculative short has continued to increase to the point that it reached the record uh, last week, uh, primarily driven by by corn. And again, this is because the tri- price dictates. The, the positioning, because what will happen is, uh, what happens is, uh, how can they continue to increase? Well, they can, because imagine you sell at 100, you sell one lot at 100, and then the market goes down to 90. Well, then you sell another lot at 90, but then you move your stop down 
maybe five, maybe the five dollars. So, so you have increased your double your position, but you have not increased your risk, your loss, uh, stop loss risk, because you're moving down the stop as the price continues to go down. And that basically means as momentum continues and you continue to go down, they will continue to add exposure, but by lowering the stop at the same time, so the PNL risk doesn't really increase uh, by much. That obviously means at the point where these markets turn, it could be a very bad start to the uh, to the planting season across the northern hemisphere. That is the next focus now. Then we uh, then that could potentially trigger a change in the in the technical or the fundamental outlook. And then that basically means that by then we know that some of these stops are now a lot closer to the to the rear to the uh, to the to where to the prevailing market price than they they were just a few months ago. And that's where we could see potentially the, the opposite direction. And we have seen, looking in at the charts which I posted on Monday, that uh, every time we, we've been down in this area, we, the, normally within a few months we've seen very strong reaction in terms of shorts being scaled back. That's obviously only happening because prices have started to move higher. So we should very much be focusing or be, be, be very alert about this uh, in, in the short term. Not saying that we, uh, we have reached the bottom yet, but uh, we just have to be aware of these dynamics that, uh, that there is a big short out there that eventually will start to get squeezed. And when that happens, potentially the move to the upside could be bigger than what may be fundamentally justified. And I mean, that's that's one of the interesting things about commodities. It's always like the price goes up if there's uh, imbalance in, in or if there's more in, in increasing demand or obviously lesser supply and then it falls the other way around. But then you also have this uh, like the short and long squeeze that, that can also affect the prices. Yeah, they will, have a, they will not be dictating the market, but they will act as amplifiers. So, um, so it, a market doesn't fall because someone has some hedge funds uh, has met in a dark room on a Friday night and decided by Monday morning we'll just start sell the sell the uh, certain thing out of this market. That's not the way it works. They will respond to the technical or the fundamental outlook, mostly the technical outlook, and that technical outlook will can obviously will change according to the prevailing fundamentals. And so, if the fundamental starts to start to show improvements. Then the price, uh, then the price will also start uh, stop falling, and then eventually we could see uh, see a rebound. So definitely different dynamics at play here with uh, with cocoa and and grain. Uh, let's go to natural gas now, unless there's anything else. No, that's fine. It. Yeah, because the, uh, yeah, let's do that. Time flies. Yeah, time flies. indeed. What uh, what what's the status of natural gas? Well, the status of natural gas is that um, while it's been a, a very hot and dry uh, season around uh, the equator of hurting cocoa. Um, it's actually been a very a pretty mild winter across the northern hemisphere, and uh, we're seeing the result of that in terms of uh, da- gas storages, which are very elevated, not only in Europe and Asia, but uh, certainly also in the US. We are now, we got the weekly uh, report out late today, in the inventory report, but right now stocks in the US are 22% above the five-year average. We have not, we're we're pretty close to levels uh, or a surplus relative to the average uh, that we haven't seen for, for, for a number of years. And that's weighing on prices. And uh, again, when prices go down, who joins the uh, joins the, the, the downward pressure? Hedge funds. And uh, we saw last week, again, rep- uh, coming back to the cut report, that uh, the that the uh, in this instance I'm tracking four different uh, contracts. They're all Henry Hop deliverables, so they're basically all the same. Um they the net short they reached a four year four year high, and that's uh, again a reflection of of the of the uh, the weakness we're seeing in prices. And again, the best cure for low price is a low price because it incentivizes uh, demand and cut production. 
I'm not quite sure about the demand side again when it comes to uh, this because you're not expe- exactly starting to burn more gas because it's cheap. You burn gas depending on the uh, the weather and, and the economic activity and so on. But the producers can respond, and that's what we've seen uh, within the last few weeks. That uh, Chesapeake, one of the big, uh, one of the major gas producers in the U.S., they announced uh, production cuts, and um, that's really what's needed in order to stabilize the market. And uh, we did see the market briefly um, move higher before uh, before coming down again, simply because the uh, inventory levels are are quite uh, quite substantial at this point in time but this is uh, this is the dynamics we should probably be looking out for in, in the gas market uh, as we head into the spring uh, where the uh, demand that becomes a bit more of much less volatile that it, it is the supply side that we need to keep an eye on there but uh, but generally probably reaching levels in natural gas uh, which I think on an inflation adjusted basis is levels we have probably never seen before uh, at least not in in recent history um, basically mean that uh, we will see uh, we will find a floor there uh, eventually as uh, the supply starts to potentially to be curbed. And we haven't even talked about all the macroeconomic like impacts of this or why, because that has also has a big impact on, on I guess all three of these movements. But 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 I don't think we should go down that rabbit hole because then we'll be here all day, <laughs> uh, basically. But what I want want to ask you is that now we see these different dynamics and we see cocoa exploding in price, grain doing the opposite, natural gas to some extent doing the opposite. Overall, as a, as a retail investor, where does this leave me in in terms of commodities? Obviously, you shouldn't recommend what people should do, but but what should I look at, or should I just stay away because everything is, as we said, relatively extreme right now? Yeah, but it, I think oh, first and foremost, uh, uh, I think just I think most people like me would find it is commodities just being extremely fascinating because it is a it is because of these movements and 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 how the they are impacted by by real events by by things we can we can feel and touch ourselves and um and then we have the whole uh, energy transition as well and how that impacts demand and uh, and not only demand but how it impacts producers of these uh, these goods so i think from an from an investment perspective um I always like to watch, uh, look at co- commodities uh, as a whole, uh, look for indices covering uh, the, the whole spectrum, simply because you have these anomalies. Of, of course, I would be, I would, I would have been happy to belong an ETF in cocoa and uh, more than doubling my money. But the, the, the chance of that happening is obviously, you have to be quite lucky. And uh, one thing is getting in, but also not getting out too early. Um, that's another thing. But so, uh, so generally. Um, having a broad exposure to commodities in the belief that um, I think from a global p- economic perspective that uh, that China will get the act in order get, get the act together in, in order to stabilize and simulate the economy that will uh, avoid a recession uh, elsewhere that will start to see rate cuts uh, in in the US followed by other central banks lowering the cost of holding physical commodities which is, is something that has been negatively impacting commodity price because if you are a major producer and you use commodities you have been bringing down your stock level simply because the cost of financing uh, those uh, st- those stockpiles so um, so overall we 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 have uh, we, we remain quite constructive on the on the commodity sector but i think from from a from from if you are new to the uh, to the area always look for a broad exposure uh, simply because the volatility uh, from one commodity to the next can be quite extreme Well, I think that was everything we uh, had time for today. Uh, as always, super interesting to talk uh, commodities with you. And if you want to learn more about uh, Ole's takes on commodities, I can only uh, recommend you to either go to home.saxo and look at inspiration 
Find Ole on X, where he's also very active and just a great read all the time. Thank you so much, Ole, for taking the time to make us all smarter. My pleasure. Thank you. And to everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. We will be back anytime soon. And on behalf of everybody here at the Saxo Market Call podcast and Saxo in general, happy trading. Thank you.